Greetings and welcome to Cool Radio Stories, a podcast for independent radio stations in small to medium-sized markets, presented by Cool Radio Streaming. Now here's your host, Tom Dobrez. Welcome to our podcast today. I'm Tom Dobrez, owner of Cool Radio Streaming, and with us today is a gentleman who truly walks the walk and talks the talk of local radio engagement in his community. He's won the NAB Crystal Award for Excellence, also Marconi Awards and Service to America Awards. Not only is is he the owner of an adult rock station in the town of Big Bear Lake, California, but he's literally the mayor of the town as well. Today, we welcome Rick Herrick. Rick, thanks for sharing your Certainly, Tom. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we are so looking forward to hearing your story, but first I need to make a few programming notes before we begin. I'd like to remind our listeners we're recording this during the COVID-19 crisis, which of course has had a tremendous impact on all businesses, radio not excluded. And though we are beginning to see the economy reopen with some positive signs, we're still in a state of unknown and we'd like to hear Rick's thoughts on the coronavirus and its impact on his business. And frankly, it may truly surprise you, but, uh, we're going to table that towards the end of our show. I'd also like to inform our listener that we'll hear from attorney John Garziglia during our Ask John segment, where we ask John about some pressing legal matters in the radio world. And at the end of the show, we'll check in with John Wenzung of Radio Max for some more of his insights in our audio column, Digging Into Digital. But first things first, Rick, let's start at the beginning. I'm always curious to hear this answer that I start the interviews off with. What was your radio job? Oh, boy, number one. Uh, That's going back to Los Angeles. I graduated from Loyola Marymount University uh, in Los Angeles, obviously West LA. And um, I had uh, spent some time uh, in Germany going to school and a little time in Israel. Got back at at, uh, Loyola for my senior year and looking for something fun and different to do. And I just happened to walk into the college radio station, KXLU. And uh, said, "Hey, what? This looks interesting. Can I do something here?" And uh, they said, "Sure, you can straighten up the albums over there." And so I started off that way. Uh, shortly, um, became the program director of the AM station, which was uh, not a heavy-duty job, but I still definitely enjoyed it. Had uh, friends of mine listening on campus, and then from there became a DJ on the uh, FM side. And I was not very good compared to. A lot of folks who were who were there, I thought were excellent, and, and they deserve really good jobs in radio. But that's how it all started, uh, KXLU, then the internship at uh, KLOS and KABC, and then a small radio station down in Orange County, uh, Kick FM, K Orange at the time, then became Kick FM Country Station, and then K Big, and uh, or excuse me, then back to KABC uh, in the sales department, K Big in LA, and then off on my own 25 years ago. Got a license and moved to Big Bear. Well, good for you. And actually, you're the first one we've interviewed whose first job was uh, album straightener. So <laughs> well, I'm telling you, they, uh, you know, with uh, at the time that was a mess. So they were on out, on not put back alphabetically. The, the covers were torn. It was, you know, it was a mess trying to find something and grab it and run down the hall and 
and uh, get it on the turntable uh, in time. So anyways, it was a, it, it was a needed job. That's for sure. Right. And there's always those arguments. Is Neil Young going to the ends or the wise? Right? <laughs> exactly. We had, we had lots of discussions about that. <laughs> Uh, that was good fun. Uh, well, uh, during that uh, career, you've won a few awards. Uh, obviously, we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, what are some of the other personal highlights for you in that career? Well, it, you know, in L.A., um, I was uh, I'll say I was I was known, but definitely not not uh, well known uh, in L.A. I, I kind of carved out a, a niche in sales and had worked my way up uh, and, and was doing well there. Um, you know, it wasn't really till I broke on, out on my own and ended up getting the license, uh, going to Washington and petitioning for it and competing for it and getting it, um, that kind of it all came in focus for me uh, because I had some bosses uh, previously that were, I, I didn't actually didn't realize how good they were, to be quite honest with you. And how much I learned from them uh, over the years, and what the big thing I had learned was really engaging in the community. So once I got here to Big Bear, and the, the light bulb came on, I said, "Okay, well, this is what it's all about. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm not just selling ads. I'm really engaging with the community, and I'm doing it on two different levels. Obviously, I want to sell ads, so I want to engage that way. But I need to engage listeners. I need to engage uh, electeds. I need to do as much as I can to become part of the infrastructure of the community. So." Um, from that, I think the real big thing that happened was, uh, we had a major forest fire here. It was called the old fire, uh, because it was on the old road is where it started. Uh, turned out to be 400,000 plus acres, a total of, you know, I have to remember back now, cause this is 20 years ago. Um, I'll say four or 500 homes burnt down, uh, in the area. And we were part of the major evacuation that took place. And, um, I think that was kind of a, a defining moment for me personally, for the station and the community of how important it was to be active in the community and uh, to be assisting in, in something that was that large. At the time, it was the biggest evacuation that ever happened in California. Hundreds of thousands of people had to be evacuated through our little town. And, and we played a major role when that was happening yeah, nothing like unfortunate tragedy they really connect the community and, and for them everyone to realize the importance of the radio station and certainly you know your engagement with the community goes to a whole other level you know a few episodes ago we titled one of our podcasts be the mayor it was a bit slight tongue-in-cheek <laughs> advice of ron stone i think that was episode three or four but uh you are literally the mayor of big bear lake uh, that is truly connecting to a community how did all that come about you know it started uh, just my involvement with the chamber of commerce and uh, at the time i was in my early 30s and um chambers are always looking for good people to come on board and help out as much as possible and I was just trying to introduce myself to the business community. Uh, but from that, uh, I got to know uh, many of the community leaders and uh, they almost immediately said, you know, you need to be on the Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors. And so I said, sure, that sounds, sounds like fun. So did that, uh, eventually uh, worked my way kind of through that organization to become the president of the chamber. And, um, you know, it just kept going from there. The, the county supervisors noticed me and asked if I would sit on the Parks and Rec board, which I agreed to. Then I was uh, appointed to the Department of Water and Power, 
became the chairman there for a period of time. And then I had a good friend of mine who was actually on city council and he said, I'm about, about to retire. You really need to run for city council. So it just, it was kind of a process that just, um, as I had described to other friends, I almost couldn't stop at some point. Uh, and I could have said, no, I guess that's my weakness. It's not, not saying no enough, but, but, uh, so that's basically how it happened. I just kept progressing to the point where, um, I said, yeah, I'll run for office. And then, uh, yeah, I'd love to be mayor. And, and it's been, it's been a really great relationship uh, with the community that I've enjoyed. Well, good for you. And I want to kind of chat a little bit about that connection. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about the town of Big Bear Lake? We are a small resort town. Total community is about 25,000 or so. Uh, and that fluctuates because we're a winter resort community as well as a summer resort community. And so we can swell to maybe as many as 100,000 people here on what I'll call a big weekend, big holiday weekend. Uh, most of the homes here are second homes, 25% approximately are, are filled uh, with full-time residents. And the others are either, well now, private home rentals or second homeowners uh, who just want to get away from the uh, the big city. We're only 100 miles away from Los Angeles, Orange County, I'll say 200 miles away from Las Vegas, and maybe 200 miles away from uh, Phoenix. So in the summertime, when it's hot in those other areas, we have a lot of people who come here up to the mountains, want to cool off. And then in the wintertime, a lot of people want to come here and recreate in the snow as well. So that's really what we're known for. Uh, we're very fortunate in that we are um, right on the, the edge of the Los Angeles basin. And so within, you know, two, three hours, we have millions of people um, potentially who can come to Big Bear and hundreds of thousands do come to Big Bear. And we've become actually very well known as a recreational area, uh, Lake Tahoe, everybody knows about uh, up in central and Northern California. And we're sort of the Lake Tahoe of Southern California and, and very well known. So it's really, it's a resort town and we've We've been able to capture that as far as a radio station is concerned. Um, that flavor, we try to present something that is different than somebody might get uh, out of LA, Orange County, San Diego, one of those communities. And I, I think we've been able to present that well. So yeah, it's a resort community. I love it. I love skiing, love fishing, love getting out on the lake. So it fit well with my own uh, personal desires as well. Well, that's also very challenging, however, sometimes from a, a programming standpoint, is it not, where you have uh, such an influx, you have a couple of off seasons, maybe a month or so, where everyone's kind of just uh, resting and <laughs> regrouping. Um, so when you're connecting to a community in a town like that, uh, do you just focus on the locals? Or are you trying to connect to the, those individuals that are coming into the market, the uh, visitors? You know, it's a little bit of both. Um, locals, are, you know, use this as we're, again, just part of the, the furniture here, part of the infrastructure. And uh, so um, they uh, absolutely tune in. We do uh, local uh, information, news, road conditions, weather, uh, all the things that, that locals need to hear about. But on top of that, then we connect into what's happening event-wise uh, throughout the uh, community. And because we don't uh, do things uh, as other stations, uh, for the most part, don't do, you know, a really wide variety of, of music and entertainment. We even have a fishing report, which is fun things, ski reports. So second homeowners and visitors 
I like to tune into as, as well because it's it's just it's a flavor of the community. It, it uh, it's part of the community, and when they're rolling to town, uh, or even before they're rolling to town now with streaming, um, they get an idea of what is happening here, and it just it it's part of what feels different about the community. I, and I know I do it at least. I go to other communities and I go to resort communities. I tune into the station because I get uh, generally a good feel of uh, or better feel of kind of being on vacation in a way. Uh, when I get a chance to sort of hear what's happening on a local basis. Well, you know, I, I ran a similar operation out in Vail, Colorado. We had a radio station out there one time, and the, you know, the locals were, of course, the, the heartbeat of the community. Uh, but then being that the population of the marketplace would, you know, quadruple in a matter of over a series of a couple of months, it was a, always interesting. The one thing I learned real quick was one of our top advertisers. I went and was visiting with him and he said, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not really connecting or I'm not advertising with you so much uh, for the locals, but rather that community that comes into town, the visitor. And he said, and the second homeowner, and he said, they listen because they want to feel like a local. Yeah. And so there they're, using, right? they're using a radio station to connect, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I hadn't heard of it that way before, but yeah, to feel like a local, you're, you're absolutely right. And they want that information like a local. Right. And, and so it's important for the, as often as the changes as well. So um, for the radio station to be there and be prominently um, connecting to the community. And by doing that, you're connecting the visitors as well to that community. It's a neat way to look at it. Yeah. So uh, throughout the time, one other issue I had in resort communities was uh, hiring, um, a bit of a transient marketplace, I presume. Um, you've uh, hired some very good people, I'm sure, but also some other challenges. Um, what kind of is a hiring process you typically go through in that market? We learned a long time ago that um, if we put it out there, and I'll say advertise for it, um, we... Uh, ended up with many um, people who maybe felt they had good voices but didn't really understand the business. It was very difficult. And um, because uh, being a resort town and a small community, uh, we had to reject quite a few people. And uh, they got spread around the community pretty quickly because they don't understand. Well, Joe, has, he's got such a great deep voice. How come they didn't hire him? Well, it's, you know it's not just about that. So... Um, we had learned over a period of time that we would we put it out there with our other employees that uh, we have a possible position opening and they were actually our best recruiters. And um, we found that uh, if somebody uh, was recruited in by an employee or the, the word kind of got out and maybe they had radio experience, um, that was the best way to find somebody. But, you know, there, there are times when we don't have positions filled. And we are able to work around that, uh, being a small station, we all wear, uh, similar or different hats, but similar type of functions here. So we can all kind of interchange our jobs. So, um, that really worked out absolute best for us. The, the last uh, gentleman actually that we hired here, uh, owns a little, uh, pizza parlor and he's got a great little business, but, uh, he was also an actor out of. LA and uh, had voiceover experience. And one of our uh, other employees who does a blue show on Friday night happened to be getting a pizza. Somehow the, the conversation came up. He gave us a call 
And we could tell almost immediately when he walked through the door that he was our guy. And he's been with us, I think, six or seven years now. Uh, so that's really been our experience. It is difficult uh, to, to find people um, who um, who understand and, and I'll say either have a passion for the business or just really understand how it works. Uh, and uh, once you find that, you, you know, hold on to them as, as long as you can. Do whatever you can to keep them because they're they're very uh, precious and uh, and very important part of the the function of uh, the station and connecting to the community as well. It's important. Absolutely. So uh, once you got them in the building, and I would you know first say I guess by if one of your existing employees has recruited somebody, it's somebody that they already probably respect and or trust, and therefore you have a, a beginnings of a team being built. Uh, when you do that. But now, once you have these people in the building, what kind of things do you do to sort of build an effective team? Well, we start off by, by finding what their talents are. So one of the one of the processes we go through is we'll give them a, you know, a commercial, uh, actually just pull an ad out of the newspaper and say, hey, write a commercial uh, for us so we can kind of see writing skills and then write a news story for us as well. Again, because we, we have to be multifunctional because we're small. Um, so we start with that and if they are lacking in some of those skills and we still want them on, then we'll start to, we'll start to train them with that. But I think the most important part is, is cohesion with the entire group. And so, uh, we have, uh, our weekly meetings, they're obviously brought in there. Um, and for the most part, we've been lucky in the people that we have brought on, uh, they are also known because they're a small community, known in the community. And, uh, you know, we get the thumbs up almost immediately from everybody uh, on board. Uh, and, uh, boy, you know, I think because of that, um, we really haven't had any what I'll call uh, uh, issues where uh, we don't have team players. For whatever reason, we've been, I'll call it really uh, fortunate. Uh, in the fact that um, everybody will jump in, everybody understands uh, the the importance of number one keeping us on the air, keeping the community informed, and um, if somebody can't do something for whatever reason, somebody else will jump in and do it for them. And uh, I, I'm very fortunate too that uh, my wife uh, is the operations director here with me, and so between the two of us and everybody else who's who's on board. Um, I don't think I've had a single time, uh, with rare exception, where somebody uh, wasn't more than willing to jump in and just get something done. Where they happen to be, you know, we got, you know, we got guests coming in. Let's get the the floor vacuum to empty the trash cans. To hey, a fire just started and the roads closed. You know, can you jump on the air right now? And whatever little bit of information, just put it out there. So um, I, I I just I'm, I'm blessed with a with a good crew. That's for sure. Well, and that's, you know, you've also given them an environment by which they can excel. And it seems like you make sure that everybody that enters that building more or less knows where all the buttons are and where they, you know, you've spent some time, it seems, in, in teaching them the different skill sets. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so when they can, they also know which button to press if they need to go on the air. And so, but everybody in the building has at least a, a working knowledge of how things do work. And it certainly helps, especially in a smaller staff like that. 
So uh, when you're in the building, the things you're doing on air, we talked a little bit about you got more or less a modern adult rock format. Uh, AAA, would you describe that as? I think that's the that's the best description. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, when I was in LA and we're going back 30 plus years or so ago, um, AAA was the actually the format that kind of attracted me and, and thought that that would work in a small community such as ours. Um, but you know, I think we're a little bit more than that, uh, now because I, I think that was the initial thought and then I try to describe us, although it didn't catch on anywhere except here in the building. Uh, that we're basically, we're kind of a free range type radio station and we'll play, uh, you know, some rock music from the fifties, not much. Uh, we'll have some, uh, blues in there. We'll have some absolutely uh, modern music in there, even some dance music, classic rock. So we try to mix the whole thing in so that it's, uh, it's something that somebody can listen to if they just enjoy music. Maybe that's the best way to put it, um, that they can listen to, uh, all day long. Yeah, we would define that as like a song-driven format versus a genre. And, and that, you know, if the music's good, it's a good song, we're going to play it. Right, that's exactly it. Yeah. So, but yeah. I always like to talk about what you do in between the music. You mentioned that a little bit earlier because, um, you know, that's what makes a great radio station is is what you do in between the songs. And that we talked a little bit about. You have uh, connected to the community BI shows like your fishing show, obviously very important to the local community. Um, some other types of programming like that, that you're doing, it kind of makes you stand out. We're getting ready for the 4th of July. And, um, because of that, uh, years and years ago, we partnered with the Rotary club, which put on the 4th of July fireworks. It, it has evolved over the years to be a whole community effort with, uh, the leadership coming from Rotary. But, um, I had heard a show years ago that was uh, tied to um, a uh, radio station uh, that was in the area here, uh, and they played patriotic music. And it wasn't necessarily synced to the fireworks, uh, but it was played during that period of time. And so we adopted that, uh, and uh, that has actually become this great tradition. And the, the fun thing is, for me personally, and I'm sure for other people around, they'll be maybe, you know, we estimate 75 to 150,000 people, depending on what day the, the show is, who show up to town for the show. And people, we encourage them, bring your radios out, tune in, and you can hear, it almost sounds like it's echoing through the entire valley, the music coming from our radio station while the show is going on. So that that's, you know, that's one big thing that we do uh, that is really uh, important. Uh, you know, the other, I'll call them little things, the daily things, just local news that we're, we're, we're constantly trying to give information out. We've, we've, uh, uh, understood that, um, you know, we're, we're so immediate in being able to get information out that it's that those immediate type of news events that, that we're really good at. And, and whether it's a big snowstorm coming to town, schools closed, you know, all the, all the typical things, um, that, um, people want to tune into, we've got a great weather guy and, uh, you know, people want to hear, well, you know, what does Ben have to say about the weather? So it's, it's all those kind of pieces that, that we pull together that I think is the glue that, that holds people uh, in there in between the music. Cause we, you know, I, for the most part, I will find songs that we play. I've got a music guy, uh, who actually, who does a blue show on Friday. 
and I disagree sometimes with his choice of songs. Um, but, uh, you know, with that said, I know that the, with the public too, it's basically the same thing. I know that we'll play a couple songs out there that are either generally stinkers or they're just not ones that, um, are going to attract, you know, the largest audience out there, but it's still kind of, that's what sort of makes us, us, I hate to say, <laughs> you got, you got to get those in there too, occasionally. Right. Well, I think it's um, always great that, that people comment or they'll pull you aside and complain over you pay too much Tom Petty or not enough REM, whatever the argument is. Oh, yeah. Where's the, <laughs> we, we want more country, you know. Yeah. Where's Garth Brooks? How come you're not playing more of him or you know, you're not doing this or that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I welcome that, uh, that input back uh, from the community. And sometimes it, it assists with, uh, with understanding if we're a little bit maybe off the mark. Um, or just the fact that I enjoy the fact that, Hey, these people are listening carefully. I, I, that's, that's the part that, you know, at, at two fifty two you played the song by so-and-so and, uh, you know, wasn't very good. You should have picked the, you know, the second song on the album, you know, not the third one. So. Yeah. Well, and that to me was a very eye opener myself. And that's how I began to look at those comments as well, that, they really don't go into this, you know, Subway sandwich shop and say, you need to put more ham on the sandwich or, you know, your tomatoes. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, the, the, oh, you're with the radio station. Oh, well, let me tell you, you yeah. played that song a week ago. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it is, even though it may not be a po totally positive comment, the thought is they are so passionate. They're engaged. They are totally engaged. Yeah. It's personal to them. These are what we're doing is personal and we're talking to them personally. And I, yeah, I, I, I you hit it right on the nail on the head. Uh, we used to joke the same thing saying, you know, you wouldn't go into a burger shop and say, Hey, you know, you didn't put enough salt on this or you got too much pepper. I mean, people don't do that, but they've more than happy to, to tell the owner of the station how they feel about the a segment that might've got on. It is always something how that happens. So uh, we will uh, take a short break here as we're going to hear from John Garziglia, little legal matters facing the radio station world. Uh, but stick around and we will return to the cool radio story of Rick Herrick. It's time to ask John, a regular feature where we ask John Garziglia, a partner with the FCC law firm Womble, Carlisle, Sandridge and Rice, about legal matters facing the broadcast radio industry. Our email bag has a question for John today about the FCC rural radio policy. John, where does that all stand these days? Well, the FCC's rural radio policy dates back decades, but uh, it governs FCC applications to challenge uh, uh, or to change, rather, a station's community of license. In a nutshell, in 2012, the FCC made a policy change to make it more difficult to move a radio station's community of license from outside of a census-designated urbanized area to a community within the urbanized area. Recently, certain licensees have sought to uh, relax this rule, uh, arguing that, among other things, minority broadcasters may be impeded in trying to purchase and improve radio facilities, which has the counterproductive effect of diminishing ownership diversity. At this point, there's no, no indication, however, that the FCC is going to change its policy. We're back listening to the cool radio story of Rick Herrick. Rick, uh, when we left, we were talking about connecting to the community via the airways and programming and events. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about your presence uh, in the digital world. Why don't you give us a little update on where you are with uh, KBEAR 
in your digital assets? We, um, we have a website, you know, everybody has a website, um, but we didn't, uh, and this is going back to 2001, uh, during the big evacuation, didn't really understand, uh, at, uh, going into that, how effective that would be with people who were not here. And suddenly our light bulbs all came on. We realized that, you know, it's incredible how many people are, are, are actually getting information from the website who are not here. And that's when we kind of all put it together. Well, wait a second. Those are the one of those people are second homeowners or they're residents who are out of the area, not in our signal area, and we can actually communicate with them. So it started with that. Um, we moved on to, uh, to streaming. Uh, we've been involved with things uh, like uh, Facebook and, and other social media. But, you know, with that said, maybe I'm just old school. Um, I didn't like the fact that um, something like Facebook was using my content uh, that I created and putting out there in order to develop uh, their viewer uh, base in order to sell ads and taking that away from me. I thought, well, wait a second, you know, that's not right. So uh, we still we still are involved. We still engage uh, in, in those. And I, I think I've relaxed a little bit more uh, in knowing that it's, you know, it is a tool, but it still, it still bothers me that, uh, that my content can really be taken that, uh, that easily and, um, and used to their benefit and not necessarily to my benefit, except, you know, engaging, engaging with listeners. Well, and that's, I think, uh, a feeling, in fact, you should connect with John Wanzung, the guy that does our digging and digital audio uh, magazine here at the end of the show. He's a big uh, proponent of, of that. Like, don't be building your store on rental property, which is, you know, what yeah. Facebook is. And so, you're right. And he says, you know, a lot of radio stations across the country have built up audience for Facebook and, and they've gone and, and taken that information and that content and used it to their own benefit. Whereas a significant portion of that should drive people back, hopefully to your radio station's website. And that's where the real effort should be. So that's where you're currently uh, put your significant effort into the radio station. You have a stream, you have a radio app. We do have an app um, and uh, we need to actually, funny you mentioned, we need to improve it. We've got some problems with it right at the moment, but yes, we do have an app uh, and it is available out there and it, uh, it, it uh, fairly effective. I think um, I'm not sure uh, exactly how much, uh, you know, revenue we might generate off it, but um, it, it is uh, accessibility, which I like to have out there. And, and since uh, we stream our full content, so our local advertisers get to be exposed uh, out there as well with it. Um, but we do need to, we need some improvement on that side. Right. And so uh, in general, however, you, you focus on the website, but then it's also, you want to make sure that you're out there where your listeners are. And in this, you know, particular market like you, you do have listeners literally across uh, certainly the state, if not the country. Yes. You know? Yeah, we sure do. We are actually around the world. We've got uh, a lot of our, our local kids who uh, have been in the service and uh, we get notes from them that they'll be, uh, you know, in Afghanistan or they'll be somewhere on a base somewhere and, uh, and a little homesick and they listen to us and they feel better. 
Yeah, and hopefully they'll come back and listen to this station. Uh, let's talk about you personally, change gears ever so slightly. Uh, you're the mayor of the town, and you run a radio station, own a radio station. That sounds like a couple of jobs. How do you keep yourself organized? I uh, notepad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do use Google, and I, and I do use Google Calendar, and, uh, and try to do that as effectively as possible. And you know, my, my cell phone is my uh, electronic leash that uh, reminds me all the time I've got to be somewhere and do something. I've got a, uh, a good uh, group of people at the city who help keep me on track uh, as well. And, and just to add more um, complicity to my life, I'm, I'm running for the state assembly now as well. So then I've got some people on that side who are helping me, trying to keep me organized. So um, it feels like my time is not my own, but uh, you know, this is what I asked for. So I'm I'm uh, I, I'm enjoying it uh, as much as possible. But I think I'll, I'll say Google Calendar really keeps me on track more than anything else. I have it set up so that my phone will remind me I've got a coming up meeting, and and the computer will remind me, and then my wife will remind me, and then somebody from the city will remind me. So I've got enough backstops that are keep me in line. So mayor wasn't enough. I huh? had to throw a whole other uh, political run for office in there as well. Well, good for you. And uh, now let's take ourselves more to a contemporary conversation, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, coronavirus, COVID-19, had pretty much decimated uh, businesses, radio stations uh, across the country. A little bit slightly different story, however, in Big Bear Lake than uh, maybe what we've mostly been hearing across the country. Why don't you kind of give us a rundown of what, what's been going on there and how you and the radio station and, quite honestly, the town uh, prepared for all this. We... Uh initially uh, with the stay-at-home orders economic shutdown um, we anticipated a large loss of uh, revenues and with no i'll say end in sight and so it put us in a scary position um, the what kind of got us through that we ended up or, or over the years we've ended up with a, a number of institutional type advertisers uh, thick and thin are there with us, in, including uh, you know the hospital, the the um, disposal company, I'm, um, you know the water company, um, and um, because they see us as as being a, a very useful tool, so they they stuck with us during that period of time. But the, you know all the restaurants uh, ended up shutting down, um, and some of them hadn't even contacted us. We contacted them and said, you know, we I know you're closed. We got to take you off the air. So um, we we went through a period of time where we're kind of looking hard at what we're going to do with with our employees, our budgets. Um, we we went into a phase of I'll call it um, uh, social distancing with our employees, so we didn't have two employees here at the same time. That meant putting some people on part time, uh, which was difficult for for them uh, to have happen, and then wiping down equipment, sanitizing everything. Everybody had their own mic covers that had to be cleaned and doing everything we could because we, we've had circumstances before when the flu would come through us and we'd all get sick and they, they, this is much more than that. So that, that was kind of the first reaction and then buckling down, getting ready for uh, what was going to take place, which was um, you know drying up a cash flow. Um, I think part of our... Um, 
reasoning that it didn't really knock us completely uh, off center was that our, our involvement with the community and my wife, she's also uh, the president of the school board here. So um, I think because of that, there was a high level of respect for us in the community. And shockingly, the checks kept coming in and people were paying their bills. I didn't expect that. I thought we are going to have to start chasing people around. So we're lucky, very lucky with that. Um, and then as things began to change a little bit and, and we we're looking at what was happening within our, our community, being a resort town and, you know, the, I'll say the, the worst time to kind of close everything up. It was a good ski season. They had to close the ski areas down, you know, six weeks before a normal close down. Um, we, uh, uh, then went into spring, which is normally quiet for us. But um, things then started to loosen up in the county as far as restrictions were concerned. And then as the city went and, and uh, you know, me working with the other council members and the city manager, uh, there was a realization with our community that we did not have the resources to uh, really enforce a lot of the rules that were coming down from the governor's office. Uh, so stay at home. How do we enforce that? We didn't really have a method. Uh, how do you enforce face coverings? We didn't have a method. Uh, we couldn't write a ticket. We, we had no method, even if we wanted to, which we didn't want to arrest somebody for, for violations. And um, so the, the, once that realization you know, came to us in the, the city and we, we began talking about it, the uh, community started, I think, realize the same thing. So then it became our responsibility to put it out there that, um, we're going to put social pressure on the businesses and the people to do the right thing. Cause it's really going to be their choice since we can't, there's, there's no method for us to, to come down with a heavy, heavy hand on this. So, um, we did a lot of social, I'll call it pressuring, getting information out to do the right thing. And I think that that helped. And then the second thing that happened that people were so tired of being cooped up, um, that, uh, our resort town, relatively close to these big metropolitan areas, became a, a place of escape, even for the day would come up. Even if they knew the restaurants weren't open, uh, they would come up and go hiking. And um, then one thing led to another. And for whatever reason, we, be, we became the go-to community for people to get away. Um, and then the business at the radio station started to, you know, it was uplifted again and put us even in a, you know, a good position again, some, some, uh, still canceling, uh, some, you know, possibly not coming back, but it was in a much better position than I really had anticipated, uh, being in. And so, uh, we were just, we were, I'll say very lucky that we were where we were. And I'm, I'm sure there are other resort towns that probably had the same type of experience, but then second uh, home rentals, uh, private home rentals, that whole market exploded again, uh, which we didn't anticipate that. And with people wanting to get away for short vacations, they're not hopping on airplanes and going someplace. That's relatively inexpensive for them uh, to come here, bring their families here. And so we've been in this almost boom since Memorial Weekend that is uh, unprecedented. I've, I've never seen it. People have been here for 50 years. I've never seen it either where every day feels like a weekend and every Saturday feels like the 4th of July with the volume of people. And we, we know it's not sustainable, but we do know that we're going to continue with that throughout uh, the, the rest of the year. So COVID, uh, a big problem uh, for Southern California. 
less of a problem. We only had 11 cases total for our community, and we're hoping we don't spike higher than that. Um, but because of volume of people coming here and as a business, we've actually uh, have seen, I'll call it a benefit uh, over what we might have seen uh, in mid-May if it was a year ago. Well, as I did say, it's a story that unfortunately is not heard enough around the country is a positive uh, turn of events regarding COVID-19. I would comment that I think part of the success you're seeing has been the uh, deep-rooted connection that you have to that community. That's part of the reason why I believe these uh, clients years kept paying their bills to you because they know that there's some things are most vital and you presented yourself over the last couple of decades there in town as a most vital institution so they must keep you uh, rolling at the same time you've been able to connect with um, the businesses enough so that those that when they do come back that in the time of a trial and circumstances that we all were faced with you and the radio station stepped forward and took a leadership role and now you'll benefit by being first in line, if you will, once the market uh, does rebound and comes back. Uh, again, we didn't anticipate it. it. It wasn't done for that reason, but uh, that was the, you know, the, the fruits of previous uh, work that went in that uh, we benefited from. Well, Rick, it's such a good positive story for these times, and we do appreciate you sharing your cool radio story with us today. Any closing comments that you'd like to say? I, I just appreciate the fact you're doing this, and uh, it, it, it kind of is good for my brain to uh, kind of think through some of the, the history and processes we've gone through. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is owner of KBHR K-Bear in Big Bear Lake, California, winner of the NAB Crystal Award, Marconi Awards, and Service to America Awards, and he's also the mayor. His name is Rick Herrick, and we do appreciate him sharing his cool radio story with us today. We're not just finished yet, because of course it's time to check in with John Wanzung and our Digging Into Digital segment. It's time to Dig Into Digital, our segment on how you can use digital to unleash the power of your station. Here's our digital guide, John Wanzung, CEO of RadioMax. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Cool Radio Stories. Uh, it's been an interesting time, I think we could all say. And hopefully, we're all starting to see some movement, I wouldn't say back to normal, but definitely back to where you're hopefully able to start approaching advertisers. That's what I kind of want to talk about today. Because obviously, we dive into digital during the segment, but I also want to dive into kind of the, the strategies of potentially approaching advertisers. I'm sure a lot of you have been nervous, you know, maybe about how do we go back and talk to advertisers now that we're hopefully coming out of this thing. And hopefully you've been staying in contact with them. But I think right now there's a really unique opportunity as you're approaching your advertisers because it's almost like a, a, a new blank slate that's out there. Maybe some of your clients stuck with you and they were doing more PSA type of announcements. Maybe some of them had to take a break. But I think right now there's uh, this really unique opportunity to reach back out to your clients. And I think kind of the mentality around it is you're almost reapplying for the job, if you will, with your advertisers. And I think it's all kind of about listening to their story, what they've gone through and how they want to now market to their clients. And I think radio right now can be an exciting time to reach out 
to not only your existing clients, but new clients. Because I think there's some new market segments that's opened up. For instance, you know, I think the food delivery business has obviously skyrocketed. When you look at some of these more industrial companies that maybe even pivoted their business a little bit where they're doing sanitizers, they're doing fogging. How do we sanitize areas with schools and businesses? Also, the whole telehealth. I think there's so many new categories that are available to approach. And when you approach them, that's what I'd like to talk about as well, is I think, and maybe some of you are already doing this, but kind of doing those spec spots. Are you actually coming up with those creative ideas that you can bring to those advertisers that are obviously existing, but also those new ones and deliver them, like I said, super creative ideas where it really starts to open up the dialogue with those advertisers. And I think there's really a unique opportunity to get back out in the marketplace. The way you're going to approach advertisers may be a little different, and we're going to have to come up as an industry with new and exciting ideas that with everything that we went through to deliver the message of the advertisers that want to reach your audience. So are you, when you're going into these new sales opportunities, are you delivering the full scope of the opportunities you have with the station? You've got your website. Hopefully you have mobile, social media. We've talked about some of that in the other episodes. And I think right now with the opportunities, with kind of this new canvas that's being laid out, for new and existing advertisers, you can really open up the opportunity to bring in new ideas, exciting ideas that people are going to be wanting to hear. Advertisers are going to be wanting to hear. In an upcoming episode, we're going to really dive into social media, the app, the website, and how you package those with really specific examples of how you can deliver those opportunities to your advertisers and get them excited about how we're going to move out of these challenging situations that we've had into where we want to communicate the message of our advertisers and how they want to engage with your audience. That's John Wanzung, CEO of Radiomax. For more on using digital to unleash the power of your station, visit radiomax.co. Well, that does indeed conclude our episode here of Cool Radio Stories. We appreciate you tuning in to hear the cool radio story of Rick Herrick. And it sounds like a nice place to go visit out Big Bear Lake, California. I am Tom Dobrez. I am the owner of Cool Radio Streaming. So whatever you might need on the audio uh, distribution front for the digital world, give us a holler. Check us out at (laughs) coolradiostreaming.com. You've been listening to Cool Radio Stories, a production of Cool Radio Streaming. For more information, show notes, guest profiles, and more, visit CoolRadioStories.com and subscribe to the podcast at Apple iTunes, Overcast, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.